Welcome to the B2B Mix Show with Elena and Stacy. Each week, we'll bring you ideas that you can implement in your own marketing strategy. We'll share what we know and advice from industry experts who will join us from time to time here on the show. Are you ready to mix it up? Let's get started. Hey there, this is Stacy Jackson. And I'm Elena Jackson. We're co-founders of Jackson Marketing. We're also sisters. And we're bringing you episode 13 of the B2B Mink Show. Elena, what is today's episode about? Today, we have a very special guest. Stacy and I have known this person for almost two years now, and we are in touch almost daily. He's a friend and a mentor to us. His name is Daryl Prell, and he's the CMO of VanillaSoft, a sales engagement software leader. If you have not yet come across Daryl on social media or at a conference, then you're in for a treat. Daryl has over 25 years of experience spanning startups, restarts, consolidations, acquisitions, and divestments. He started his career off as a coder and ended up in marketing. He ran his own successful marketing agency, which led VanillaSoft to hunt him down and make him an offer he couldn't refuse. He's been the CMO of VanillaSoft for almost a year and a half and has helped push the company to make some big wins for the brand. Sure, he's a marketing rock star. But Daryl does more than just sit behind a desk all day strategizing. He's also a guest lecturer and public speaker. You may have seen him in his famous blue jacket at one of the many conferences he's attended so far this year. If not, look for him at an upcoming conference such as Inbound 2019, MarTech East, and more. I don't think the blue jacket is going to go away anytime soon because, let's face it, it's awesome. And it's not just us who think he's a terrific marketer. Daryl was recently named as one of the 19 B2B marketers to follow in 2019. So if you're not currently following Daryl, stop what you're doing right now and go check him out on LinkedIn and Twitter. And links to his profiles are going to be found in our show notes. Daryl has some advice for companies that want to elevate their B2B brands. You've got to have a face to the brand. We aren't talking mascots, people. Brands need active and engaging champions out in front evangelizing on behalf of the brand. And that's exactly what Daryl does. So Daryl, welcome to the B2B Mix Show. I just want to know, like you got the check, right? I sent it to you before you crafted that to make sure you get it right. (laughs) I was listening to that thinking to myself, you know what's missing? The book. I haven't got that published book yet. And you know, that intro would have been better if you would have said, and best-selling author. I got to work on that. I can't believe you guys. Well, we can me. throw that in. Yeah, could, just we just lie, right? Yeah. You, know? you can do. You can do a quick picture book. Who fact checks like these that? things anyway? You can, can self publish. <laughs> I can self publish. Why not? I mean, there you go. I, yeah. I know one person who would you buy know. it, but but as a candidate, I'm buying my own book. I don't know. There we go. We can put your name on one of the eBooks. That would. How's that I, sound? I, I like how you're thinking. <laughs> That's fantastic. You guys are brilliant. There's a way to work it. There's always a way to work. I'm just thrilled to be on the marketing mix. I mean, you know, you often struggle in life about, you know, will I have success in my career? And early on, I thought to myself, if I was a guest in the marketing mix, then I will have made it. And today I'm a guest. So I have made it. I'm very excited. You know what? It's even more exciting because we actually changed the name of the show to B2B Mix. Okay. I'm, I've grown. I'm not just marketing. I'm B2B. That's awesome. Right. Exactly. Oh, so great. it's even doubly awesome. That's right. I obviously You're part of the new era. I, am I the first guest on the B2B Mix? You're the second. Oh, 
Oh, you know, second is for losers. That's what I've heard. <laughs> second oh. is for first place in our hearts. Oh, that's it. Oh, there you oh, go. My God. It's getting thick <laughs> nice in here. Recovery. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> okay, Daryl. Um, so we we know a little bit about you. Well, we know more than a little bit, I guess, but our listeners know a little bit about you now. Can you tell them a little bit about Vanilla Soft and what Vanilla Soft does? Vanilla Soft is a sales engagement platform. And since this is the B2B mix, I'll make some assumptions that you guys understand a little bit about technology and the technology stack. And I'll make it really simple because everybody likes to know, you know, well, you know, what does that mean and, and where do you fit in my world? And so what I'll often tell people is, hey, you have a tech stack? Well, of course we have a tech stack. I'm going to guess your tech stack is probably marketing automation where your marketers work and they live and they produce great content and inbound leads resulting in a marketing qualified lead, an MQL. Yep, we have that. And I'm going to guess you then pass it over to sales uh, who lives in their CRM, their customer relationship management tool, like a salesforce.com, for example, um, and sales pursues your MQL. Yep, that's what we have. That's our stack right there. Fantastic. Well, the problem with that stack, if I, if I look at the stats, is that typically anything that marketing generates in the MQL front, when they pass it over that wall from marketing automation to the CRM, sales will not follow up on 48% of the leads. And they'll only make about two call attempts or email or whatever touches to try to follow up with that lead. If it's a new lead coming in, they should respond within the hour, but on average, it's a day and a half to two and a half days. Um, so that's bad. That's bad because you spent all this money as a marketer and, you know, 50% is going out the door. So, you know, and, and, and it's real simple. If you're a sales rep, I would say to you, do your reps cherry pick? And they're going to go, oh, yeah. And if you're a marketing person, I would say to you, you know, are you tired of your leads not being followed up on? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we all know that. We can all relate. That's our stack and that's our world. Sales engagement is all about being the right tool for the right uh, purpose for the right role. What I mean by that is sales engagement fits between your marketing automation and your CRM. And what it does is that when you pass that MQL over the wall to the next layer in your stack, you're going to pass it over to sales engagement. Sales engagement is where the sales development reps or the inside sales reps live. Their whole job in life is simply the qualified, the sales qualified, the MQL. And they do that through a series of ongoing touches email, phone, social, video, whatever, as many times as required, as fast as possible. The classic uh, playbook is seven touches in seven days. And the whole point is I'm trying to take that MQL and make it sales qualified. And once I know it's sales qualified, they've got budget, they've got authority, they've got need, they've got timeline. This is bad. This is awesome. It's SQL. They flip it over to the wall to the CRM where the account executives or the BDRs then create the opportunity in the CRM it pops on the forecast and they work the deal to a close. The beauty of sales engagement being in the middle is that we get rid of the problems with CRM, uh, that 48% thing, um, because CRM is list-based. People are living in lists all the time. You log in, you see a list. It's a list of my leads and I'm going to pick the ones I want to follow up on, ignore the rest. In sales engagement, you can't do that. We're going to just force feed each rep the best lead to follow up on right now. And they cannot do anything until they deal with this lead right now. And by doing that, 
you're actually going to make sure you follow up on 100% of your leads. You're going to touch them as many times as required, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 22, whatever it requires, using all the necessary and available channels available to you, email, phone, social, so that you actually take that that MQL, turn it into SQL and generate revenue. You will triple your, your actual pipeline, literally triple your pipeline just by doing this without spending a dime more in marketing program, without hiring a single additional staffer. It's proven. It's tried. It is the new stack. Awesome. And I love the, the, the saying that David had come up with that CRM is for managing relationships and sales engagement is for starting them. I think Daryl actually came up with that. Oh, did Daryl no, come up? No, that actually was David. Full credit oh. David. I just took credit for it, but it was okay. actually his creativity. <laughs> and David well, Hood is the CEO of Vanilla Soft. <laughs> All right, folks, before we dig into this topic, we are going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. And we are back. All right, so let's get down to the nitty gritty. Are you ready? Bring it, sister. So there are many growing companies that don't have a face to their brand, right? And a lot of them don't even have a visible champion. It's just a logo image that they see. So why do you think that is? And why is it important for those B2B companies to focus on having that face as a spokesperson? So what I think it is, I think, and I think it's changing. I think it's getting better. But what I think it, that, that, that these companies don't have a brand, a visible champion, I believe is the word you use, uh, is because we have a lot of really shy people. We have people who don't want to be in camera. We have people who aren't good in front of the camera. We have people who are unable to deliver a concise, brief message that's compelling and understood. We have people who are afraid to let the personality shine. We have people who are afraid of conflict because in social media, Half the, half the world will love what you say and half the world will, will, will spit on you. So for all those reasons, you know, no one wants to step up. The other reason is no one wants to be held accountable. What if I go online and I say uh, something that is sounds good in the moment, but upon, upon reflection uh, was politically incorrect and therefore I have tarnished the brand. <laughs> That's bad, all right? So there's a lot of fear, a lot of fear, a lot of insecurity. Uh, some people view it as vanity. Other people uh, don't really add value. They, they'll have no problem getting from a camera, but they actually don't add value. They just talk a lot. Mm-hmm. So I think to me, that's the reason why you have such reluctance for there to be designated spokespeople. Why is it important for them to have it? And that's pretty straightforward. I think people connect with people. It's as simple as that. You know, brands are interesting. We know we value brands. I might drink Coke and I might buy Nike sportswear. But in the end, you know, if I if I look at that brand and how I interface with them, there's going to be designated spokespeople that I follow on Twitter. I follow on social media. Um, and that's what it is. People connect with people. Mm-hmm. And that's why you see even television commercials where there's always a spokesperson that you see over and over again. The, the Trivago guy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we all know the Trivago guy, right? He's a he's a visible spokesperson. Um, and the reason people connect with people is because they they want to trust. They want to establish a rapport, a relationship. I may or may not like Trivago. And there's a lot of other options out there. You know, there's Expedia, there's Hotels.com, there's all these other travel sites. But I like the Trivago guy. So because I like the Trivago guy, I just like him. 
I kind of like the brand mm -hmm. because the brand is him. You know, they put him in place. That must be what they're like there. They must be fun. Right. <laughs> I'm going to go to Trivago and give them a chance for my business. That's exactly what it is. People establish bonds, trust, relationships. Uh, they identify with, they connect with people. And if you don't have that, you're putting yourself at a massive disadvantage. Yeah. You mentioned, sorry, go ahead. Say no, sorry. go ahead. No, no. Some of it. Some of it go ahead, please. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned um, that a lot of people are, are scared to, to get on video and maybe they don't have the confidence to do that. Uh, a few months ago, I think it was, I did that video where I put all my bloopers at the end. I think you guys remember that. Yeah. And, and boy, were there a uh, lot. We, Holy <laughs> <laughs> but that generated some conversation and like Gavin Harris came on there and said, yeah, I'm, this has pushed me to do my video, which he has yet to do, which I have also bugged him about. But it, it gives them a sense of I don't have to be perfect all the, all the time to put those videos out there. And I think you hit the nail on the head. A lot of people are scared of that. Yes. Yeah. And. Speaking of maybe hesitancy and being scared, maybe it's not the right word, but hesitant. Vanillasoft, before you got there, really didn't have that spokesperson out there. Is that something that you expected to come in and have to be that person? Or were you looking to install another person or encourage someone else to do that? So, good question. Um, I assumed it would be me, only because... I recognize the role needs to exist and I recognize VanillaSoft wasn't doing it. So it wasn't like I was going to go on and say, okay, now I need to find me a, my first employee hire is going to be an out of work actor. You know, it, <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't that uh, because I also recognized, you know, it's not just enough to have somebody who's, you know, shall we say the, the face of the, of the brand or the company, you know, they're on video or mm -hmm. what have you, you know, the person's got to add value, right? So, right. you know, if I were to hire an unemployed actor, they may be the world's best actor, but they 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 just might really not connect or identify with what it is VanillaSoft does because they don't have the background, they don't they don't have the the, the experience in what it is we do. Maybe experience in sales, for example. So, I suspected it was going to be me. Uh, but I'm always looking for for talent. Even now, I've got multiple people that I'm grooming to uh, to get more in front of the camera, but it's taken time. And I think a lot of it was me leading by example so they could see that, you know what? You can make mistakes. You can laugh at yourself. You can screw up. And, and if it's done with the right spirit, the right intent, the right, I guess, just a delivery, that... The audience mm -hmm. will laugh with you. They won't, you know, they won't mock you or, 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 or what have you. Exactly like you said. It's exactly what you did, Elena, where you said, I put my bloopers at the end and I created massive conversation because people look at that and what it is, is they relate. They go, oh, Elena screwed up. I screw up. I'm not the only one that screws up. She screws up too because <laughs> she looked so good in that video. And then I realized that was just the art of editing. <laughs> And in fact, she's a, she, I mean, I thought I was about, holy smoke, she's a bigger screw up than I am. So, you know, I like her because she screws up and I screw up, but then I feel better about myself because she's bigger screw up than I am. So I'm okay. Exactly. It's exactly what it is, right? right. And, and when you see that you, and, and you watch it, you go, oh, because so many people put so much pressure on themselves to perform, right? Mm -hmm. I, we, we, 
we've got one fellow in our company. He is an amazing individual. He is so brilliant on our product. You put him on a phone with a client, or even on a video call with a client. He is Mr. Personality. He can drill down. He's incredible. I'm like, dude, you, camera, let's go. I'm going to package you up. <laughs> I put him in front of a camera and I asked him a simple question, you know, so why would I, what problem would I have if I was, uh, if, if, uh, if, what problem would I be experienced, experiencing that vanilla soft could be a good solution for? Just, you know, give me the top three problems I may be experiencing. Wah, 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 wah. He just went on and on and he couldn't look at the lens and he was brutal. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you're like Mr. Personality. And, and, and what he admitted it. He goes, it's the camera. I'm in front of the camera and there's lights and I'm freaking out right now. Um, so I get that. <laughs> and for the record, he is not a spokesperson for the company publicly. He's still on those phone calls. Um, but, but, but yeah, the answer to your question, long-winded answer, I suspected it was going to be me and I would have to lead by example. And, I, it, and the other part was, candidly, I knew I needed to teach the people here at the company how, how mm -hmm. you can do it. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was huge. So one of the first things we did on that front, you know, is we had this room that was uh, this this for lack of a better word, it's an office space um, that wasn't being used. It was full of, of just stuff. You know, whenever you didn't know what to, where, where to throw this empty box, throw it in that room. And it was just, <laughs> it was, you know, uh, what, what's her name? Marie, what's her face? The organizer. She would have. Condo. Yeah, she, she would have. She would have walked away from this room. That's how bad it is. All right. <laughs> it's like a junk drawer, but it's a junk room. It was a junk room. Yeah. And I'm like, what's up with this room? Oh, that's the junk room, right? And is anybody using it? Nope, that's the junk room. I'm like, do we need this junk? No, it's the junk room. Great. We're getting rid of the junk room. We'll hire this out. Call 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Get it out. And uh, and I'm taking it over. And I and I turned it into a studio. My boss was like, what do we need a studio for? Now, as a marketer, you go, really? But <laughs> candidly, that's a legit question. And it's just, mm -hmm. it's just a lack of familiarity. I'm like, you need a studio. Because video is king and it's also my brand and I need a space so that I can have cameras and lights so that we're well lit, we're well spoken, you know, it's all wired up and, and, it's, and it's always set up so that when I am inspired to go do a video or to go do uh, a recording on the B2B mix show that I can physically just hop in, sit down and everything's there. Um, and he's like, okay, like he trusted me, but I, I don't think he really trusted me. Cause I was still new. And then, you know, a few months later he was like, Oh, I get it. I get it, I get it now. <laughs> right. Cause he watched it. Um, but in just like, even when we, you know, about six months ago, I hired, um, I hired my first full-time video guy until that point in time, I was the chief marketing officer and I was the video producer and I was the video editor and I was this and I was that right. So out of necessity, so when we were doing our budgets last year, I had my head count down and one of the positions was in a full-time media producer. And this was probably last September. And my CEO was like, Daryl, what do you really, we need, we need this. Like, like, cause in his world, as far as he concerned, sees all oh, the videos are just magically appearing and he, he has right. no <laughs> idea what's going on. Before the, and you know that Daryl's working at eight o'clock at night every night. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And he's like, why? I said, you know, we're getting such momentum. And my bandwidth is getting less and less. I said, I now am at a point that I need to be able to just simply to walk in when it's, you know, 30 seconds before production starts, sit down, 
do my video shoot, my audio, my recording, whatever. And when it's done, get up and walk out the door and go on to my next task, knowing that somebody is is taking care of, you know, they're getting the audio, they're getting the video, they're doing the editing, they're posting it to the, the various channels and, and I don't have to worry about it. And he's like, oh, okay. So then fast forward two months, I went back to him as in November and I said, uh, okay, I'm ready to hire now. I'm ready to hire that position. And it was so funny because, you know, he had, again, so now because he was aware of it, because I positioned it, he was watching me more. And, uh, and and so his reaction now was went from being, you know, again, why do you need this to being, oh my gosh, yes, you, you totally need this position. Like, <laughs> like you needed that a month ago. And I'm like, you think? So all of that transpired simply because people are always watching you and, and, and until they see how it's done and why it's done until they experience the consequences of doing it, they just mm-hmm. don't know. And it's, it's nobody's fault. It's just a lack of familiarity. And I got to tell you, I was super excited when we heard that you were coming on with Vanilla Soft. We started looking you up and seeing, I'm like, oh, he does video. I really want to get some more video in here. And I was so excited. And then you came in and you just took it like a boss. You just took over it and have just created this brand for Vanilla Soft that has just taken them to different levels because of the having that champion in, in the spotlight. Now, but you came from more of a marketing background and had more of a marketing audience. So how did you take it to get your name and the company out there and start picking up the traction with the salespeople? So this is a really good question because many of us are artisans with our craft. You know, you may be a a rock star marketer um, and then you start working for a company and you don't know anything about their product or their technology, but you're a marketer. So now you have to learn how to apply your skills to, you know, to their space. Um, and that, and I was no different to your point, Atlanta. Um, you know, yes, I was active already on LinkedIn. I wasn't by any stretch of the imagination prolific. It was just, you know, I was, I was what I would call, I was, I was periodical. Periodically, I would post something. And uh, as the mood struck, because it, I was a busy guy. And my connections were primarily marketing. Uh, my audience here is my target audience, my customers are tar- primarily sales or sales and marketing, but I didn't have the sales. So to your point, I had to get the sales. And uh, the first part was just identifying, you know, who were the influencers. And it's so funny because, you know, people always say, okay, so the first thing you got to do is you got to identify the influencers and then you got to connect with them and then you got to really engage with them. And I'm like, okay, let's go do this, man. So how do I identify the influencers? So like, I'm on like a buzz sumo and everything else looking for all the, and I'm talking keyboard sales or sales engagement <laughs> or sales development. And you like, yeah, you get a list of influencers. They have 80,000 followers. They have 10,000 followers, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, okay. You see some names, but again, you're new to the space. You don't know, you know, Adam from Eve. Um, what it really took me cannily was just getting involved in a lot of sales conversations on LinkedIn and watching, uh, following people. Um, and it's kind of like a, um, a game of, uh, uh, of snakes and ladders only, right. You know, you, you say, oh, that person looks like they know what they're talking about. So I'm going to follow them. Okay. So now, now, now who does that person look up to? Who do they, when they respond to, oh, you're like Keenan. Oh, Keenan. Who's Keenan? 
Let's go. So he snakes the line. I'm going to go up the ladder. Keenan. Okay. So there's Keenan. Okay. So Keenan, Keenan's, a, he's a player. He's a bigger player. Okay. And let's follow him. And who does, who does, who does Keenan look up to? Oh, he, he liked Larry Levine. Who the hell is Larry Levine? Okay. There. Oh, then go up again to Larry Levine. And you know, and that, you, that's, it, it took, it took months to figure out the players mm-hmm. uh, and follow them and start posting on some of the stuff. Uh, I did a couple things to answer your question. Once I kind of got a lay of the land was I made sure that my posting um, with those individuals stood out. So I'll use Keenan. Keenan will post something and uh, it'll be good. You know, if I posted it, I'd get 10 comments. He posted, he gets a thousand comments. We're both saying the exact same thing, but he's Keenan. He's a, he's Keenan. And so um, just everybody's like, oh, Keenan. And so everybody goes um, and goes, yeah. And you see of those thousand comments, 990 of them are like, you rock, Keenan, love you. <laughs> and add no value. You know, so why bother? It's, just, it's my attitude. Right. Right? You're just noise. So I was the guy, you know, if I agree with them, like, yeah, you know, I'll give it a like or whatever. I might say something. But usually what I do is I, I pick my spots to say, I don't agree or I think you're only partly right. And I'd be the guy that would go in there and say, um, love what you're saying here and here. So, you know, I'm validating him not, not, not to be an ass, but I disagree with you here and here. And this is why, and this is my take. How do you respond? And so being that, that contrarian helped me, uh, stand out, you know, they may never have commented on me or they may give me a cursory. Oh, thanks, Daryl. <laughs> and move on. <laughs> but over time, three, four five, six months, uh, they began to know who I was. Well, I imagine for someone like Keenan too, they have a raving audience of fangirls and boys who probably you got their juices going. So it got a lot of conversation yeah. going anyway. Yep. Yes. And the part that's really interesting is that when you comment on something like a Keenan, well, you, well, you don't ever realize because they're, they're this, the vast majority of people in social media are lurkers. They don't say Jack squat, <laughs> but they see that I argue with Keenan and they actually liked my argument. And so they start following you and, mm-hmm. and, you know, they word of mouth to their buddy. Hey, check out Daryl. Um, and before you know it, you've got this silent army of people who are following you and you're oblivious to them, mm-hmm. just oblivious, but they know mm-hmm. who you are. Um, so that, that was, you got to understand that. The next thing I did was we started producing content and, uh, and I would love your guys take on this because this was part of the conversation. You guys love the idea. And then I think after a while, you guys got scared with what I was doing. Um, which was, I have no problem picking a fight. You know, we'll call it a debate, but it was a fight, right? And I, <laughs> would, I know it's hard to believe, um, but but this was intentional. This wasn't just because Daryl's a contrarian. <laughs> maybe he is, um, and maybe that's his personality, but this was a thousand percent intentional. So I would look for content where somebody would say, uh, what's the color of the dress, blue or gold? And you'd have a thousand comments and half would say blue and half would say gold. And I would look at that and go, and there's no clear winner here because the audience is split. But man, does everybody have an opinion? So I would go back to the person who posted it. You know, John Doe was the person who posted it. And I would reach out to them and I would say, John Doe, you and I should have a debate. And you be picking blue and I'd be picking gold and we'll have the great, you know, argument and we'll get everybody who's emotionally attached to this argument Mm -hmm. to attend. And that did wonders 
for initial reach. And this now this is this is really important. I'm going to say that did wonders for getting us a spike. The reason, in my opinion, would love your thoughts. The reason, in my opinion, we were able to not just spike and drop again was because when we do these debates, we actually bring solid, credible stats, facts, and arguments to back us up. So if I'm in a fight with Keenan, everybody's like, Keenan's going to mop the floor with Daryl. And then they watch us go back and forth. And afterwards, they're like, Keenan didn't mop the floor with Daryl. In fact, you know, Daryl got in some really good shots and Keenan mm-hmm. was staggering. Yeah. Daryl was a little, you know, Daryl's a little smarter than I knew. I'm going to follow <laughs> Daryl. Yeah, you come in prepared. It's not like you're just using the the internet famousness of someone to get some registrations. You're actually prepared for these conversations. In that yeah, and I think the first one was the Dan Disney one, right? First one was the Dan that Disney one. That was the one. first big debate, and yep. that was a huge one. Yep. And, and that- you came in, and I think most everybody came on thinking, oh, Dan Disney, it's social selling. We're, it's modern daytime yeah. in the business world. There's no way cold calling has any leverage. And you came in and dropped all these stats, and you really held your own on these conversations. And I think a lot of people were like, what? Yes. Maybe cold calling is good. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, to me, that was what was the start of the of of really our growth and we've had mm-hmm. we've had staggering growth i mean you you folks uh stacy and Atlanta, you guys uh, are are social media savants yourself you've worked with a lot of the other social media players in the space who themselves are social media rock stars so you you know of what you talk when it comes to this and i think we've had a lot of growth because of that now the last thing so there's a couple so right so we kind of got the lay of the land then we started connecting with the influencers. Then we reached out and did live, you know, debates and webinars and seminars and live streams with these guys. We were prepared. That was that. That was really important. So now we were street cred. The last thing was, and this is what I hear over and over again. And this is the hardest. This is possibly the hardest part because you can do everything I just said with no problem. The last part of, of the magic formula I would both, I would contend was your is personality. Yes. So the the feedback I get from people is they like me because they find I am. And, and it's, it's, it's an interesting one because the feedback I get is that you're direct, Daryl, and you you can be like really direct, but it's direct and it's substantive and it's not malicious, mm-hmm. but then you can be funny and you can be engaging and you can be self-deprecating and you can pick on them. You can make us giggle. Now, I'm not saying... You need to do that. What I'm trying to say is I have somehow myself managed to create a personality mix that was somewhat unique in the area I'm in that resonated with a broader audience. If I was just a statistician spewing stats, uh, I would be referenced a lot, but I wouldn't necessarily be invited to a lot of speaking gigs, right? They quote me, but they wouldn't include me. Um, And if I was just, you know, a negative Nelly, then they would just completely discount me, even if I had a big brand. I think I think the ability to connect with the every person, to to be approachable and, and and humble, and and then and then to be that to be that contrarian, to be that bold when required, you know, mm-hmm. uh, using it carefully mm-hmm. um, works well. 
the funniest part, the biggest feedback I get everywhere I go when we talk about social media, and I love this because it just shows you you can't plan anything. My wife, God bless her, she is the antithesis of me. She is not into technology. <laughs> she does not have a LinkedIn account. She just rolls her eyes to me. She she has she's an interior designer, has her own business. She refuses to let me market her because she doesn't <laughs> want to have that much business. And so she's the opposite of me. So what I have done on occasion, where relevant, is we'll go for a walk or what have you, and I'll pull the camera out and I'll just interview her on something that's relatable to the everyday person. You know, I most recently asked her on a video, I said, you know, uh, social media. I said, what would what would your reaction be if somebody on social media, Facebook, whatever, um, came to you and wanted to connect with you? And instead of saying, hey, Tracy, let's connect, it would be, hey, Tracy, um, can I have 15 minutes in your calendar? You know, let's connect. And can I have 15 minutes in your calendar to talk about your quarterly objectives? I said, what would your reaction be? And she's like, I don't know who these people are. I'd say, get the hell out of here. And I would say, go away. <laughs> that was one of my favorite videos. Yes, right. <laughs> And then I said to her, okay, fair enough. I said, now, what if they said, hey, let's connect? And they said, and, 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 you know, okay, connect. And then they engaged with you in conversation for the next month or two. And then, two, you know, two months or whatever later, they say, hey, Tracy, it's been great talking. Listen, I've got this solution. I, you know, I've been watching you and I think maybe it's a good fit for you. Would you be willing to give me 10 minutes so I can tell you about it? What would you do? And she says, well, then I'd probably, I'd probably give them 10 minutes because I've become their friend. And I'd say, okay. And then I, you know, so then I, that, the whole point I did of that interview was to say, people stop asking for meetings yes. on initial connection <laughs> requests. Here's a normal person, not me, a normal person. And this is how they think. So I've done a grand total of two videos with my wife and I post videos nonstop, just two everywhere I go. I love your wife. Your wife is awesome. <laughs> your wife is like amazing. I love, I love your wife. It's the first thing I get nonstop. Hey, are you Daryl Pro? Yes, I love your wife. So <laughs> my wife clearly is the real rock star. And uh, but the point when I ask people, why do you know what is what about it? My wife, is it that you like? And the answer is interesting. They said, because it makes you, Daryl, approachable. We don't hear you preaching, preaching, preaching product. We're seeing you, we're seeing you in your family mm -hmm. life, we're seeing you. So that's the really the secret to growth and visibility and brand name recognition. It's just be authentic, you know, be, be you. People will connect with you no matter what shape, size, or color you are. If you're just you, everybody can connect to something about you because we're all human. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think where some people kind of go off the rails is they try to be Daryl or they try to be Keenan or they try to be so-and-so and it just falls flat. Yeah. And it's like they're trying too hard. Yeah. Yes. And that's not being authentic. Right. That's, try that's, that's posing. Yes. And ne never pose. And a lot of people can't get beyond that. They don't know how to be authentic. They're in front of the camera. They're in front of that mic. They fall back on a crutch of, I'm uncomfortable where I'm at, so I'm going to channel my inner Tony Robbins, and that's who I'm going to be. And, <laughs> and, and or I'm going to you know, channel my inner Keenan or I'm going to channel whatever, and, mm -hmm. and, and that's who I'm going to be because I, I know them. I'm going to emulate them. People smell that out pretty fast. Yeah. The, 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 that might be that might get you one or two good hits. Then after a while they go, this person isn't the real deal. And and then you fall to the wayside. So we learned a little bit about your personality and how that has played into the whole process of creating your 
your followers and, and getting a bigger voice for Vanilla Soft. But what kind of person do you think should be the face of a brand? Like what traits and social savviness should they have? Do you think that it needs to be an executive? What, aside from who you are, because you have like the full package, you've got the funny, the I'm going to be blunt, you know, just all, all of that in it. But what should the a company look for in somebody that's going to be a face? I think it comes down to the role. You know, I look at a company like uh, Gong, Gong.il, they do conversational analytics. You know, their rock star is uh, Chris Orlop, if I recall his name. And Chris is a product manager. So here with the face of the company is a product manager. You know, they're not a director. They're not a VP. They're not, they're not a C, C, C level. They're a product manager. Um, and, and he, as a product manager, you know, he's all about the product. So he's always spewing off uh, stats and facts as they, you know, analyze all the transactions that are taking place on their platform. That makes sense. That's product related. So it's being true to your role. He's a product manager. I'm a marketing guy. So by default, you know, and you could say the same thing about a salesperson, I'm supposed to be a little more out there. Um, you don't need to be an executive. You, you, you just need to connect with your audience. That's really it. You, you know, if my, if my financial controller wanted to get really big in, in video, I would say knock yourself out and you should focus on ROI and financial related matters as it comes down to sales. You should not be talking about coding because <laughs> that's not what you do, right? Um, and and right. he would get an audience and they would love what he have to say. And he could become the go-to guy quoted about all things financial related. It could be, you know, SaaS company, you know, uh, metrics. It, it could be whatever. It could be the, you know, the art of collecting overdue payments and how do you handle upset customers when you, in the, you process their credit card and you shouldn't have. All these wonderful stuff that are finance related, he could do and that's his role. So I think, I think you just need to find people in your organization um, mm -hmm. that are up to the challenge. And, and, and serve a need, you know, so for example, for me, uh, we're actively now trying to grow other people within the company to be spokespeople. And, and I would love, you know, a designated person from the tech support team. So they could always just talk about the product and the challenges and the issues and nonstop. And, and they'd be the go-to face from a support side. Um, and that, and that humanizes the company and that also makes people feel better. I had that problem. Everybody else has the problem. Oh, I feel so better. I feel like a moron. And there's a solution. Isn't that fantastic? Vanilla Soft, you're awesome. Um, so similarly, I'd want to have somebody from the success team. So our success team, they really make sure that if you're an established user, that you, we, we take your usage, you know, uh, savvy, if you will, to the next level, you become like a superstar user, you know? And so they, they're, they're exposed to not, the day-to-day -day tech support issues of this doesn't work. They're like, okay, you've got it working. Now what if you can make it work even better? What if you could do this? What if you could do that? Novel and innovative applications of the tool that you might not even have thought about, but if you hear it, you go, wow. You know, so it, just people in the company having roles and speaking, we will all hit different audiences. There will be some overlap, but not a lot. And, and that's huge. So maybe even advice for today's job seekers are to cultivate those skills because there could be a role for you at the next company you go to where you need to be able to get in front of the camera or talk or speak in public because it seems like it's becoming a more important skill set with video and podcasts and everything growing. Over 60% of people, when they hear your name, will go to LinkedIn first. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. It's proven. 
And, and, and you can imagine in the hiring circles of HR and recruiters, that number is dramatically higher. I'm hiring multiple positions right now. I've been inundated with the resumes. The first thing I do every single time, this is literally the first thing I do. Uh, I, 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 I look at the resume and I, I don't even open the first page. I just look for, okay, do they have, they listed their content information? Do they have LinkedIn? Okay. Well, they do. All right. LinkedIn search for Elena Jackson. Okay. What do we got? How many contacts you have? When was the last time you posted? What are you saying? Uh, who are you connected with? You know, have you personalized your actual link? What's your profile as you look like? Have you invested any time? Because um, right away for me as a marketer, I'm going, if, if if you can't even get LinkedIn, no matter what your role is in marketing, then you're you're not a marketer. You don't get it. <laughs> End of story. I was with a colleague the other day and we're talking uh, and he's a chief operating officer of a large company and, and we were out for uh, adult beverages catching up. And uh, we're talking about sales, just, you know, sales, you know, how's your sales? How's your sales? Blah, 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 blah. Hey, I met this guy. This guy is a rock star. That's what he's saying to me. Have you heard of this guy? Well, who is he? Uh, he's so-and-so. So up comes the app and, and we're using them. And, and oh my gosh. And I pull up his app and here he is. Oh, I said, I'm actually connected with him. That's really weird. I, I didn't recognize the name, but I'm on first connection. And, uh, and I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. I'm going, has he never posted on LinkedIn? Like, it, like literally, I'm not seeing a single post. And he goes, no, he's never posted. He's not into that. And I'm like, I would never hire him. And he's like, why not? I, I, I said, he's a sales, you know, rock star who clearly does not understand social selling. And that's one of the three main channels that's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. He has no credibility with me. Have you seen his wins? He's built teams to 70 to 100 to 200 people. I said, you know what? That's great. Again. He doesn't mm -hmm. understand social media, wouldn't hire him. Mm -hmm. And that's the truth. So, yes. And especially because more than half of, especially for tech companies, more than half of sales are going to come from digital by 2020 is what yep. Adobe has said. So it, how can you not be on social? I, I, I <laughs> fully, crazy. fully agree. And, and, and like you'll run across marketing directors and CMOs and marketing managers where they are not doing anything on LinkedIn. They have like 50 connections, no posts. And it, it is so baffling I to do. me. It just is. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's and, weird. You know, I always ask people, when come, you know, they'll say, well, I'm not, I'm not into that. I'm like, dude, this is not about you being into that. You know, like before I got this job, I could argue I wasn't into that. But I knew enough to make sure that I at least spent a, a few hours making my profile look good. And I keyword stuffed everything. Because I never knew where that next client was going to come from or the next recruiter was going to come from. But I knew how they were going to do it. They were going to do it through a keyword search. They were going to do it through, uh, once they found me in a keyword search, they were going to go and they were going to do exactly what I just did. You know, how many connections? You know, how many recommendations? You know, what companies has he worked at? What what has he done? You know, what 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 what's he all about? Uh, I said, this is about investing in you and your career. You don't need to be me. You don't need to be a social media prima donna, but you need to invest in you. And if you don't even take time to invest in you, wow, that's saying something about your commitment to your career and your craft. Right. And it's kind of scary when you think about it. <laughs> it is. And right about now, everybody's going, oh, sugar, when was the last time you have to have LinkedIn? <laughs> I still work at the same job I quit 10 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if you're one of those people who are not happy with what I just said, I apologize. But hey, there's, you know, I'll tell you this. I wrote a post on this. When I overhauled my LinkedIn profile not too long ago, 
It was one Christmas I was at home and I knew I needed to update it. Probably hadn't been updated for like six or seven years. And I'm like, ah, I got to finally do it. I spent like eight bucks and got an ebook. I read it in an hour. And then I spent the next day actually, you know, slowly updating all the stuff the ebook mm-hmm. said. And that was, that was it. And I did that over my holidays. And, you know, I recently actually had it, it audited. There was a show we were at where our good friends, Van Gresso, were, uh, were offering, hey, we'll audit your LinkedIn profile. And they audited mine. They, and they actually asked me, did we do your profile? <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, no, it's awesome. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah, that's high uh, praise from those guys. Yes. That was from my good, talented friend, Vivica Von Rosen. And she was like, there's nothing I can say to tell you to fix this, right? And I spent eight bucks, eight bucks on an ebook. And that's all I did, guys. So this doesn't have to be scary. That's why you have the ebook. They'll tell you what to do. This doesn't have to be hard. This, you just have to make it a priority. It's in your own best interest, both for you and your employer. Trust me on that one. So what should a company do? Say they, they don't have someone identified, but maybe somebody in the company is very eager to be that person, the brand picture, but they're not the right fit. How should they kind of tackle that situation? They're not the right fit because they're ugly, um, because, <laughs> because they're not articulate, because they're not they're not uh, knowledgeable enough. Maybe articulate would be mm-hmm. the thing articulate because you could train. I guess you could train people to be a better speaker, though. Maybe yeah, you absolutely can. And uh, and and I'm proof that you don't have to be good looking to still have some success. <laughs> so uh, to me, I think you you have to get your chops under you. So be so if if we're of the opinion that perhaps they're not ready to be on video because they're not articulate or they don't have enough substance yet, then what I would challenge them to do would be, uh, let's build up the video. You know, let's do some written posts. Uh, let's watch you debate. So let's have the back and forth. Let's do some written content. Let's, in other words, let's build up that depth of knowledge. And there's nothing like building up a depth of knowledge by forcing you to write eBooks and white papers where you're forced to research and learn it. Mm-hmm. Um, so do some of that because especially the research, like if you look at anything I talk about, half of my, uh, my, half of my statements, my declarations, what have you are literally based on research I've read and, and internalized from other thought leaders. They're not my own thoughts, you know, like I did one just the other day on how bad this person's landing page was because they had 10 required fields. you right. And, and I knew it was bad. But I knew I couldn't go and just post that and say, this is bad. So, you know, I, I went and just, I just did a wonderful thing called Google. I did a search on, you know, best practices for landing pages and I got the stats. And then I, and I said, no, this is bad because the stats say this and their conversion rates are going to suck because the stats say this, right? Um, so I would have them focus on the written word and, and the back and forth written, you know, exchange because what you're going to watch in that. On the written exchange of social media, it's really easy to to uh, quickly uh, drop down to basic instincts and say, "Well, you suck. Well, you suck more," you know, and it becomes a name calling thing, <laughs> right? It takes much more finesse and experience to say, "I hear what you're saying, and I respect your point of view, but you know, as a counter counterpoint, have you considered X, Y, and you know, Z?" Um, so, try to not get emotional and actually be intelligent about it. Once I've seen that. Then, then give them some harmless video to start with, uh, maybe promoting an event. Hey, we're going to be attending the, you know, this show. 
I'm going to be speaking with A and B and C. I'm going to be there. Love to see it. And then, you know, see how that goes and how the reactions are and then, and then have them perfect it. And, mm-hmm. and, and then you can eventually unleash the hounds and give them the really meaty stuff and let them, you know, engage with uh, the industry thought leaders on, you know, is the dress blue or is the dress gold? One thing that's interesting to us is if you've got somebody that's really been the star of the show, really out there getting the name made for the company, what do you do if that person leaves? I mean, obviously, you've already talked about how you're trying to encourage other people in the company. So I assume there's some kind of succession planning you should have in place. Or just or an, if you get hit by a, bus. a culture of employee advocacy. Yeah. So if I do my job right before I leave, and if I'm leaving because I'm just ticked off because they've screwed me, <laughs> Um, and I just like, that's it. I'm out. You know, I'll screw you back. I'm out the door. Uh, and it's all heated and emotional. Then, you know, you, it's hard to anticipate for that. But if I'm doing my job, right. Mm-hmm. As a, as my, the leaders of the company should be anticipating, um, that there's going to be turnover, right? Cause the irony is the more visible you get, suddenly you start getting calls and, you know, emails and Hey, you know, just wondering if you know of anybody who might fit this opportunity, you know, profile, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. If you know anybody, you know, that they should, they could reach out to me because we're hiring this and it's a really fat paycheck. And if you know anybody, you should let us know. Um, so we, when you get more visible, you get, you get more of those. So you are more vulnerable to be uh, poached. Yes. Um, the leadership should be making sure that there is more than one. That's, it, it, that's the first thing. And now, and but then I would go one step further. Whoever the individual is who's a spokesperson should themselves mm-hmm. be creating a line of succession, um, so that there's other people there. I, back literally six months ago, I went into my CEO's office, David, and I said I have some concerns, and he's like, "What?" I said, "My concern is 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 that I'm getting oversaturated, and I I need to have there needs to be less of Daryl, and we need more people, and so." So now, uh, like I said, we are grooming some people and we're going through the exact process that we were just talking about to get them ready. They've got, they've got nice gear now. They've been practicing some voiceovers. Uh, they're on, they got good video gear. They're practicing video. They haven't gone out there yet, but we're building up to that. We have a, we have a plan in place. Mm-hmm. And conversely, I'm already hiring people with that in mind. Now, again, I'm hiring a position this I was in an interview yesterday well where I was with this individual and I said and I was explicit I said I'm looking for a mini me I don't want you to be me I want you to be you but I need another person who can get on the video who can get on social and hold their own is that of interest to you because that's a big part this is a big part of the job and if that scares you away then you're probably not gonna be the right fit so I was mm-hmm. looking from that from the get-go and, and that's a change before we'd always look at, do they have the raw skills, right? Where now it's like, not only do you have the skills, but do you have the, the wherewithal, the desire, the capability to engage this medium to reach our audience? So I have a, a question about the results that you've seen. So you're, you've been speaking at a buttload of conferences lately and doing all different kinds of webinars, podcasts, everything. You're, you're everywhere. So have you seen, do you think that that is as a result of your being having more of an executive level visibility for the company? Does that play? Do you feel like that plays a big part into it? And what have the results been for the company? Right. So I can speak to the results. Uh, 
you guys are probably a better answer to, to give to espouse what you think the the answer is to the first question. I'd love to hear it. Uh, in the results side, what I can tell you is a couple things. Um, if I look at, so I started with the firm in January, uh, in September, 2017, uh, when the first things I did was make sure we started tracking stats and all that wonderful stuff, which they were doing, but of course I, I wanted to overhaul it. Um, so we looked at the stats from January, 2018 to January, 2019, and depending on the, the programs we're doing on average in that one year period, when I compared year over year, we were anywhere from three to four times the volume of leads that were generated, you know, in the previous year. So in that one year, in that 12 months, you know, whether it be webinar leads or trade show leads or what have you, inbound leads, you know, depending on the channel, it was three to four times more. So was that a result of Daryl talking a lot and, and, and listening to himself speak and, and being a dick on social media <laughs> or what have you? I think it all adds up, you know, it's really hard to, it's really hard to measure the impact of public speaking and of social media. Um, but similarly, I can look at the sheer volume of content that's been shared. I can look at the engagement levels. So, you know, we recently did a webinar on webinars. And one of the things we shared in that webinar on webinars was how we produce webinars. And, you know, we started our first one was in December, 2017. So, and we had, you know, like eight people show up. We might've had, you know, 25 people register, give or take. And, you know, now we're, it's not uncommon for us to be 800, 1,000 people attending our webinars. So what happened in that time frame? Is that simply because our content got better? Well, no, it's because our reputation got better. So now when, you know, when we, and our reach got bigger and further and our, and so, and our influence grew stronger. So now when we say we're doing this thing, um, people are like, yeah, I'm signing up because it's just, it's Vanilla's office, Daryl. Um, you know, when we began the webinars, we had to beg, borrow, and, and, and plead with people, please, please, please be on our show. We like you, please. <laughs> Whereas now we have people coming to us all the time saying, hey, dude, how can I be on your show? Right. Um, and, and we get to, we get to, we get to pick, you know. So when I go for the big names, you know, Keenan and I just did a webinar a couple weeks ago, um, you know, I, there's no pushback. You know, I just, I was talking to a fellow named Matthew Pollard a couple of days ago and he was, he sought me out. We were at a conference. He sought me out and he knew who I was. And, and I know Matthew as well, but I'd never mm -hmm. met him before. And, uh, and he's like, dude, what can we do? What can we do? <laughs> right. So we did a video while we're at the show and I'm like, let's do a webinar. And he goes, okay, so here's the name of my admin. Um, he goes, we get asked all the time. He goes, when you mail her, let her know we were talking and we'll make sure you get to the top of the list. That wouldn't have happened a mm -hmm. year ago. But here's the real big kicker. You know, the only advice I can give you, you got to be patient. You know, from the get-go, we had a long game plan. I told this to my fellow executives. I told this to my team. You know, the first few things, times we do something, whether it's on social, whether it's a webinar, whether it's something, piece, new piece of content, I expect zero results. And I expect it to only be a learning lesson so we can get better from there. But I do expect in six or 12 months from now, we're going to be kicking ass. And if we're not, we haven't done it right. So, you know, be gentle on yourself. But the, and then I guess the last piece of advice I would give you is be really, really, really consistent. So, you know, we do two webinars a month for two different audiences and the second Tuesday and the fourth Tuesday. And it's always the second Tuesday and the fourth Tuesday. It's not when Daryl's scheduled for me. It's, it's the second Tuesday and the fourth Tuesday because my audience gets, gets used to it being the second Tuesday and the fourth Tuesday. 
just like my podcasts are always the same time, they get used to that. So you want to kind of train and condition them and then and they look forward to it with anticipation because it's predictable because you're consistent. Um, that's harder to do than it sounds, but that's that's what's necessary. Yeah, I agree that it's it's like a whole digital strategy. It's not just the one thing because we've done so many pillar pages. We do blogs on a regular basis. We've got the podcast. We do social. I mean, we're doing so many different things as part of the digital strategy and your videos play into that as well. Your your personality being that voice of the brand. And I think all of those put together has just created buzz and excitement around Vanilla Soft that we didn't have before. And I think that that has really been something that has moved the needle on on what's happening. Well, you know, you want good examples of that to inspire and, and incent the people who are listening. You know, when I was named recently um, one of the top 19 marketers to fall in 2019, I was on I was in a car driving from San Francisco from show I just finished to San Jose to a show I was just going to. And and it came across in, in, in a Twitter mention, uh, I got tagged. And I'm like, what the, what, what, the hell, what the hell is this? And I had no idea. I had zero knowledge I was even being considered, you know. Today, today is a good case in point. You know, I'm 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 doing my own thing, and you know, we've got software that mentions for media mentions, and boom, up comes a media mention, and HubSpot, HubSpot, little low HubSpot, small little company named as <laughs> you know one of the top ten sales management tools in 2019. You know, again, I had no idea this was coming. So how you know how is it we've been around since 2005, and none of this stuff has happened previously, but now it's just like it's becoming you know every other day it's like we're on another list, we're on another podcast. We're, we're on another directory. Uh, we're being asked to participate here, speak there. It, it is the long game. It is momentum. And, it's, and it is a snowball. And it mm-hmm. gets bigger and bigger and bigger. My biggest fear, though, candidly, is, is how do you sustain? That is what mm-hmm. keeps me up at night is how do I sustain? How do I? It's kind of like, you know, think of your favorite TV sitcom. It's a great sitcom for the first year or two. And then after a while, well, you know, it's always going to be there. And if I miss one this week, an episode, it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. And then before you know it, it's like, oh, it's off the air. That's too bad, you know, because it just, it became the new normal. And, and, and so that's my, that's my, that's my worry. That's my next one is how do we sustain? How do we grow? How do we continue to, to push? But that's a marketer. That's a good problem to have, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. That sounds like another podcast episode. I think so. <laughs> so we have a just for fun question to, to kind of wrap it up. If you were not the CMO of Vanilla Soft and could do any job in the world, what would you do and why? I hope someday I will be the CMO of Vanilla Soft. I'm really hoping. For <laughs> um, I've been asked this question before, and ironically, people who are going to listen to this are going to say, well, it all makes sense now. I want to give you the answer. I would love to be a talking head, whether it be on a cable news show or a talk radio, you know, national audience, where every single day I get to sit down to the newsmakers of the world, whether it's politics or something else. And just sit there and hammer it out. I would love that because I just love. You'd be good I, at that. I love news. I, can I love see people. That. You know, I love asking the hard questions. You know, I'm a bit of a news junkie. So that's the kind of stuff that I would probably do. Uh, ironically, my son is following in my footsteps. Only he's doing just that. You know, he's. He I was going to say it. You, know, you have an in with that world. I do have. <laughs> I've I've built an in with that world. But um, <laughs> if I was to do it all over again, that's what I would do. Um, but, but you know what? I, I, I love what I do and I, you know, the best part of what I do, and this is with all sincerity is I'm surrounded by really, really, really good people on my team. And, uh, they make going to work today, every single fun, uh, 
every single day. It's just a blast. You know, they have no problem calling me an idiot. And I like that, <laughs> you know, and they have no problem <laughs> in the disparaging me. And uh, so nobody on the team takes themselves too seriously. But what's really cool about my team and why I like my job so much is that when we ask them to step up and to work a few extra hours or to put the extra effort in because we have a big goal in mind, every single time they step up. And I think, you know, they're the reason I get up in the morning because they're just so much fun. So I, I'm blessed. I'm happy where I'm at. And maybe in my next life, I'll do that. Well, we have to say you make it fun for us, too. Of course you have to say that. If you don't do that, I, won't, I don't pay the bills. So there you go. Never. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you really do, Daryl. We, we really enjoy doing the work with you and the rest of the vanilla softball. You know, so. so folks, if you don't know it, Jackson Marketing are some pretty amazing people. And I'm not saying this to plug them because, you know, they've asked me to because they, they sure as hell didn't. And that's what I love about them. But what's what you get with Jackson Marketing is you get the full service. These people know the tech stack, the operations, the best practices. You know, they're out there on the bleeding edge learning and they're doing right. So they're not just talking about doing a podcast. They're doing a podcast. And what I love about it is they're chronicling what they've learned and they're sharing it with you. That's the kind of agency you want to partner with. So whatever you do, surround yourself with good people like them and you will have fun and you will be successful and you will learn so much. So that's words of wisdom from Daryl, whether you want to hear it or not. So there you go. Well, thank you, Daryl. <laughs> we you. appreciate thank that. You. Well, there you have it, fellow B2B sales and marketing people. Are you ready to embrace the role of the company spokesperson or at least cultivate some people in your organization to take it on? Take it from Daryl. It does work. Daryl, if our listeners want to ask you any questions or follow you online or see you in action at a, a conference or in your videos, how can they find you? The Just LinkedIn is really the simplest uh, because I'm always telling you what I'm doing. You know, I'll be speaking here or talking there or debating somebody else, you know, somewhere else. So follow me on LinkedIn. I would love the connection. Uh, I would love to connect with you. I'm a big believer in, 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 in loving and endorsing and supporting and helping the tribe. You got a question, you want to know my opinion and you, and this, there's nothing in it for me. That's cool. Reach out. Let's do it. That's what we do. Let's be fellow tribes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, what about your podcast? Do you want to tell everybody the name of that because you say it so well? If you want to listen to the world's best uh, show on inside sales, then you need to listen to Inside Inside Sales, where we give you the meat and potatoes, just the facts, none of the fiction, no strategy, no vision. It's just hardcore. How do you do this? And you do this job great. We bring in the industry's best thought leaders and we make it happen and we laugh and we share knowledge. And when you're done listening to that half hour podcast, you will be smarter, wiser, better, and more prepared to succeed all at Inside, Inside Sales. We got to work on saying our name like that, Elena. I know, right? <laughs> or get it, get Tracy to say it for us, Daryl's <laughs> wife. I hear she does no, a good impression. <laughs> <laughs> she does a good job. She mocks me pretty good. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> says every, everything to her is I'm a big monster truck announcer. So, Well, thanks, Daryl, for uh, joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah, we really do. No problem. It was fun. It's any time. So I look forward to hearing this live soon and, uh, and learning about all the leading edge tools you're using to produce this puppy. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Oh, Daryl. All right, Elena. End of another great episode. Why don't you tell people how they can get in touch with us? There are multiple ways you can get in touch with us. And the first one is Twitter. You can reach Stacy at Stacy underscore Jax. That's S-T-A-C-Y underscore J-A-X. Or you can reach me 
at Elena underscore Jacks, A-L-A-N-N-A underscore J-A-X. And if you prefer, you can catch us on LinkedIn instead. Just look up our names, Stacy Jackson and Elena Jackson. And don't forget, you can leave us a voicemail on the Anchor mobile app. We might use your voicemail on next week's show. So thanks, everybody, for listening in. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye. The B2B Mix Show is hosted by Stacey Jackson and Elena Jackson of, you guessed it, Jackson Marketing. If you need help with your B2B inbound marketing efforts, visit us at jacksonmarketingservices.com.